Hello, boys and ghouls. Step right in. Form an orderly queue. Don't touch the monsters, and they won't touch you. As we take you through the cardboard graves and plywood mazes. With their strobe lights, black lights, and spider webs. With their heads, hearts, and body parts. Join us, please, as Boys and Ghouls, episode 43, takes you through that tradition of terror. From the front yards to the amusement parks, the Halloween haunts. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Dummies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. The undead. You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Look! The third switch! Give my creation! referred to as such because I believe like the soup kitchens would, oh. you know, you'd see them lined up outside the soup kitchens. All right. I guess better than a soup bum. It kind of flows better. Yes, it does. You know, a yes. stew bum. Right. Hello, cat. Hello, Marshall. Uh, we always like to do something good for a Halloween episode, and we've covered... Halloween the movie and the history of Halloween and Halloween specials. Yes. And I guess what helped us arrive at Halloween haunts this year, if nothing else, is that this year we went to Scare LA, which is a convention for haunters. They and call it a Halloween convention, technically. Okay. But I would say that and it is in large part for haunters. Definitely. If you're a haunter, that's a place to go for the latest in haunt technology. Yeah. And there were all those workshops that we did not go to. No. But I understand those were very useful things if you're a home haunter. Sure. And then there's just people who are fans of going to, like, the big haunts. And I guess we'll be classifying haunts. We may as well do that now. Sure. So there's home haunts. People who just, on their own dime, decorate their home in an above-average fashion. And I think you can differentiate also a home haunt from a yard haunt. There's yard haunts. The differentiation I saw, at least among whoever was defining it on the internet article that I read, okay. was home haunt would be something that you would ask people to walk through, whether that's through your home, through your garage, through something you've constructed in your yard, versus a yard haunt, which is more of just a display, is how they separated. Mutilated bodies. But fake ones. Blood orphans. No blood orphans. I I don't know what that is. So we went to Scare LA. We enjoyed the booths. We got a caricature drawn that you can see on our Instagram page. Really, really fun. We also saw Immortal Masks, which I was a big fan of, which is a mask company that pride themselves on making masks that you can pull on that will really adhere to your... They're customized. And it creates the look of prosthetic that might take four, eight, 12 hours with just, you just pull it on your face. Really, really cool. All kinds of stuff like that. Well, if you're ever in the mood for a history lesson, 
I'm your teacher, understand? Let me take us back just a little bit and give us kind of an overview of a little haunt history. The briefest of haunt histories, because it's fun and you know me. I like to go to the... Um, Please. I'd, uh, I'd like to know these things. I like to go there. Well, just things that we might not have thought of as far as kind of how the experience of provoking a feeling of fear in others has evolved over over many, many years. Okay. And by the way, I found this really fun little article on americahaunts.com and noticed that it was written by Rebecca McKendry, who is big in the horror community. She was the marketing director for Fangoria for a long, long time, and now she works for Blumhouse. Smart lady. I'm a fan of hers because it's rare that you see women really super visible in the horror community. So anyway, thank you, Becca, for this article. So she goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. And I really thought that this history would start sometime in the 1970s. No. Okay. We'll get there in like 45 seconds. Just okay. bear with me. Bearing with you. So what is it you remember, Marshall, about the pyramids? What were the pyramids? Well, I can only base my knowledge of ancient Egypt on this haunt that I went through. <laughs> Do go Where on. there was a sarcophagus. Uh-huh. And they said, look, it is the mummy. And then there was this girl in our group who hadn't been there before. I was like 10. This was in the Knights of Columbus haunted house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, where'd this girl come from? And then the mummy came out of his tomb and he went right for that girl. And I was like, what bad luck? She just joined the group and now the mummy's got her. Poor 10 year old Marshall. And then she got drugged into the sarcophagus with the mummy. And then the person who was leading us from room to room said, well, we should get going now. And I was like, but I mean, I'm not gonna stick around. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, better her than me. And really that was my first lesson. Less in Egyptology, more in shills. So, no general definition of what a pyramid was built for, though? Oh, to house their dead? Yes. And the ancient Egyptians of note and of royalty were buried with their treasures. And, of course, there were people who wanted to go in and steal those things. So pyramids were built with mazes inside, moving walls, self-opening doors, traps, and the use of snakes and insects. So while it wasn't a haunted house for amusement, you know, it okay. is a scenario where people were creating devices and sort of set pieces to provoke fear in people to deter them from coming inside. I think it's kind of a reach, but really fun. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, very early, very, very early. Are, are we going to jump ahead a thousand years, or are there a few mm, more uh, points along the way? Greco-Roman folklore, here we go, is full of mazes and labyrinths containing monsters. So that's just part of their tales, right? Okay. Like the Minotaur? Yes, exactly. It was also the beginning of theater as we know it, which the plays that they performed were full of special effects. They started creating fog, trapdoors, even fake blood. You know, and even in Shakespearean times, they would fill pigs' bladders full of blood and then the actor could stab it and then they would bleed. And we're still doing things like that today, right? Yeah, squibs. Um, then I want to move forward to the 1800s where there were a lot of illusionists, magicians, and John Pepper, do you know about Pepper's ghost? You yes. Must. Yes. So Pepper's ghost is an effect that a man named John Pepper invented, which is you use mirrors placed in very specific ways to create the illusion of it almost looks like a hologram. And it's most notably used in the Haunted Mansion. It's the biggest Pepper's ghost in the world is the ballroom at Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Of course, the Haunted Mansion opened in 1969. So that's a really good example because the early 1900s saw the rise of dark rides, 
and you know the traveling carnival and the freak show which while the the tunnel of love the tunnel of love is considered a dark ride the spook houses yes when you go to the haunted house at camden park you don't know what will happen so one thing i hadn't read about before the first recorded haunted attraction was the orton and spooner ghost house which opened in 1915 in the UK as part of an Edwardian fair. And this physical ghost house still exists today. And you can still go through it. And anywhere in this, does it mention like a Madame Tussauds chamber of horrors? Not that specifically, but she wrote about wax museums and things. Having chamber of horrors. Sure. Chambers of horrors? Chambers of horrors. Sure. Yes. So then we talked about this in our History of Halloween, but I just want to bring it up one more time. In 1920, the Denison Company published the first bogey book, which was an instruction booklet on how to throw great Halloween parties, games to play, and ways to create a haunted experience for people. What to hang from the walls. Oh, yeah, like like liver and pieces of meat. Yes. And then we get to the 70s, where the adults in the 70s were... Buying homes? Yes, buying homes and remembering their childhoods and their fond memories of Halloween. And they didn't want it to just be for kids anymore. They got really enthusiastic about it for their own kids, but also wanted to have parties for themselves and got really into decorating. And then I came across a lot of information on the JCs, which you and I talked about. Which stands for? Junior Chamber of Commerce. Right, right. I knew that a year ago. Mm, Yes, you did. So, in 1975, two men from the Bloomington, Illinois chapter of the JCs, Jim Gould and Tom Hillegas, wrote a book about how to create a haunted house. Apparently, some of these original, like, JCs haunted houses from the 70s are still, like, they still do it. They've been doing it for all these years. Awesome. I want to go. I feel like that's, like, if you're a haunt completist, you have to go. Like, check all of those off your dance card. Sure. And I wonder, would these operate only halloween night or would they have like a nice ramp up like two weekends before and i then... think there was a r- ramp up because i for the first time watched the american scream all the way through mm-hmm. and it's still amazing to me that all that work goes into just for one night one night plus there there's a lot more wind and rain you could work 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 and get rained out mm-hmm. it could just rain on halloween as easy as anything sure and it's just Another salute to their dedication, I guess, by acknowledging that. So I gave kind of that stunted and probably full of misspoken facts history just to sort of set us up for what's been happening in recent years, which is, I don't know, in my mind, a combination of these haunts becoming these huge productions like a Halloween Horror Nights. Now, I do understand that's been going on for, I mean, even not, what, 30 years or 40? 1973. Jeez. Yeah. That's a long time. But goes pretty well in what we've been saying as far as when haunts started getting popular. And one of the three documentaries I've been watching really credits the internet as far as people being able to share ideas and just get ideas in the first place of like, hey, other people do this. I can do this too. Isn't that discussed explicitly in American American Scream? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, there's a guy who sits down and he's like, I started looking and seeing what other people were doing and I could... Get on the net. Yeah, and I think the internet is one of the only ways serious haunters can see what other people are doing because, by definition, these guys are completely occupied during the only time of year that other haunts are happening. So it's like 
you'll just take whatever year you started being a serious haunter as the cutoff for when you stopped going to haunts. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, even the big guys who are like running whole theme parks full of haunts, I hope they take like one night or two nights or whatever and go to just see what else is out there. This scene here, the bloody bathroom scene, was judged by all the kids that we interviewed as the best in the house. Kids like all that blood and gore. I know that I like to fulfill all aspects of my love for haunts each year, so that runs the gamut from going to Universal with you, which is the big budget stuff, going to the LA Haunted Hayride, which is kind of like a notch down. It's kind of in the middle, in my opinion. Okay. It's a combination. It is, a pro of course, a professional haunt, but it's not quite Halloween Horror Nights level. It kind of feels a little more local haunt. Yeah. And then down all the way to Boney Island, the stuff that are just labors of love that I get or wistful in How often are for. you just driving around and you'll get out of your car just to look at someone's lawn? All the time this time of year. Yeah. Always. My favorite one I came across last year was on June Street. I've been meaning to go back by there this year to see if they did it again. And it was just this big front yard. It was a giant cemetery. But I remember there being a bunch of pumpkins, big ghosts, and lots of... But just, like, they had really done it well. It was just to be there, to be admired. And, you know, I get out and take pictures. I, I think I embarrass Alex sometimes with that kind of thing. You're just like, pull over! Right. He's happy to pull over, but, like, I think he... Get out of the car! ...is probably like, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't take pictures of... And I'm like, but... They're not going to mind because they, It's you a know, compliment. Right. And I think that to me gets to why I get really wistful at front yard displays and really people who do really great decorations and or go the length to do a, a haunt is that I think it just makes me feel really connected to the people who care about the same things as I do. It's kind of like the main kind of guy in the American Scream documentary says that to him, Halloween is about community. Yeah, Whereas well, Christmas is about family. Halloween is about, you know, you see people, like he says he sees his neighbors that he literally doesn't ever see any other time of year, but he sees them always on Halloween night. My dad loves Halloween. Can you do me a favor? What? The eyeballs upstairs? Oh, yeah. We always have the haunted house. He works, like, all year on it. He's not into sports. He's not into camping. Everybody has something that they like. This is his something. So the American Scream documentary, which folks definitely give that a watch and again what it's really about it's about people yep and though i guess spoiler alert i never saw it all the way to where the guy takes his home haunt which part of my re relief in seeing what happens isn't that like oh he gets to live his dream it's oh they're gonna have so much more space in that house now <laughs> now you see him doing the not thankless, but definitely profit-free job of building this incredible haunt and stressing about it mm -hmm. and his family helping him out. He's got the one daughter who's really into it and the other daughter who's, this year, she's going to be a part of the haunt, which was yeah. nice. We should back it up and say it's about three different home haunters in Massachusetts. Yeah, all, all within the same town, all within like kind nine of blocks same, of each other. Yeah, yeah. And you got the one guy who's, it's his passion. Then you got the, like the mid-level guy who's doing it for his kids mm -hmm. and who had like a heart attack the year before. Yeah. And there's this nice story about all of his friends coming together to build the haunt for him while he convalesces. Yep. And, and then the other guy and his dad who are just so funny, who are also incidentally both clowns. Like they've both been to clown school and you see them put their makeup on and it's a very odd, but fun. They do it a lot, but mostly for like a specific charity, yeah. like for the Shriners hospital. Yeah. And the two of them, They've got each other. 
They're Alec's favorite. By the way, he is the one always pushing to watch this movie. Like, as soon as it's almost October, Alec is like, when are we watching American Scream? And those two, the father-son pair, are his favorite because they're just... They're, it's unintentional comedy just the whole time. They're just such a funny pair. Yes. But all three of the protagonists, as it were, that are in this film, all, or all three of the households, I should say, are really charming. And I think the reason it's so compelling is, I mean, it's just a really well-made documentary, but it speaks to what you were saying, which is it's about people, first it's, and it's, foremost. It's made by the guy. care. Yeah. It's made by the guy who was the kid in Troll 2. And, I didn't realize that. And then, then his first documentary was Best Worst Movie about I Troll 2. I didn't realize that. It was the same guy who made Best Worst Movie. Michael Stevenson. Okay. Who's uh, out there doing some good work. Yes, he is. Bug! It's Godless spelled backwards! I just wanted to find in my notes one thing, and I, I can say it verbatim. I just wanted to quote it. Please. Because it just... Oh, here it goes. Matt, who's the son of the two, he's got his girl who's a friend over. Mm-hmm. Barbara and she tells the documentary crew a little something about the you know the two of them and how his dad's his best friend and the dad's like well he's my best friend and then here's a quote the only time we're not together is when he goes on the roller coaster <laughs> Does that get you right in the feels right right there right right in the feels boy if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know i feel like the only other time i've kind of seen you get like this is when you talked about the girl that stephen king went to high school who had the dog named cheddar cheese just a heart wrencher <laughs> yeah they're a sweet pair but what you mentioned you said spoiler alert the guy who emerges as the lead of the documentary has professed you know his mother was branch davidian which is part of a religious cult. Yeah. And so when he was a kid, no birthdays, no Christmases, no Halloweens, nothing. No celebrations, but especially not Halloween. And, you know, he grew up with, once he could, he just developed this intense passion. And he's working a job and it's, you know, he's just kind of like trudging along and saying, absolutely, if I had the chance to do this professionally, of course I would. And then you get to see him. At, at the end, Ghoulie Manor is what it's called. And it's still open. Yeah, I looked it up. Boy, the internet's really good for following up on documentaries. Mm -hmm. And in this case, definitely, they were operating out of a shopping center, it looked like. Yeah. Which makes me think that Ghoulie Manor, what we saw was just like his workspace. And then he would take it to a second location and set it up. So it's not an all-year thing, but it is a seasonal... Professional haunt? Professional haunt. There are some professional haunts that are all year, mm -hmm. I feel the need to say. And I've, I've been through a couple of those in my life. How are they? How were they? They're really their own thing. And actually, I think... One of the first few times that I really hung around Alec and you mm -hmm. at the same time, we realized that we'd both been to the same haunt in Tennessee. You do, and Alec? Do you remember this? No. Who knows how we got on the topic? Weird. I guess because all he knew about me was that I liked horror movies. So we, we probably just started there. Mm -hmm. In uh, like a sort of tourist destination town in Tennessee, there's this all year haunt that I went through with my family. Yeah. At, I don't know, age like 11 or something and... They're like, yeah, and then you go through the grandfather clock and you, 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 you go through a door and you realize once you're out the door that you've stepped out of a grandfather clock. Oh, cool. I don't know if it's a thing that boys are into, like fire trucks, but the entire notion of a trap door. Oh, Alec is really into trap doors and hidden doors yeah. and like secret doors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. maybe, it, maybe it is a boy thing. Yeah. We had a trap door on our porch. Really, it was just so my dad could access like the lawnmower shed that was under our porch. 
And he wisely nailed it up, but much to my chagrin. Mm. I was like, what? No, we got to like roll a carpet over it and then discover it. Yeah. We don't even know what's down there. Like mostly motor oil. And maybe buried treasure. However, to go back to Ghoulie Manor, it runs uh, September, October, uh, mostly weekends and then various weekdays, at least this year. I looked up its calendar. And then, get this, off on Halloween night, says to spend time with our families. That's precious. Right? And I don't know what he does with his families on Halloween. His daughters are kind of cresting out of the trick-or-treat age. I like to think that they now, he now, has the time to go to other haunts. Yeah. Because back when I was talking about earlier, how do serious haunters go to haunts? Possibly the only way to do it is to just say, you know what? We're taking off on Halloween. Yeah. Of course, if they all did, there'd be no haunts to go to. Right. Mm. <laughs> it is a conundrum. For them to solve. Not my problem. <laughs> and here in this torture scene, you can see the poor, unsuspecting victim with the knives and the box being closed down and the blood running out of the bottom of the box. Marshall, when you and I were at Scare LA, we watched a panel called Extreme Haunt Survivors. I thought it was pretty fascinating. They had three extreme haunt frequenters paired with the professionals who run the haunts that they have been to. So just they had kind of a, um, yeah. a survivor paired the scarer with the scarer and the scared did. Yeah. We're paired next to each other yeah. uh, up on stage. To be specific, we saw Josh Randall, who runs Blackout, which there are locations in New York and L.A., J.T. Molner, who runs Freakling Brothers, which is out in Vegas, but specifically he runs the Victim Experience, which is a, like an offshoot. An offshoot. It takes place in the same location, but it's by appointment, and it's only a couple of nights in October. So they don't do it for everyone. They don't do it all the time. It's just which Freakling Brothers is there all the time, and then Russ McCamey, who runs McCamey Manor, and the victims. I just want to name them: uh, Tal Beauvais, who was representing McCamey Manor, who went through McCamey Manor. Hannah Kaplan, who you know, Marshall, mm -hmm. right? Who represented we're, the victim experience. We're, we're acquainted. Acquaintance. And Russell Eaton, who represented Blackout. And Russell's a friend of mine. Now, how weird is this? That at this panel, you and I both know someone up on the panel. Not that weird. I mean, I know you, you say it's weird, but I'm like, it's, uh, you know, it's all, the community's kind of small. Small world. In some ways. I'll just say it with a shrug. So it was an interesting panel because although I was very interested in everything everyone had to say, but it was kind of hard because no one could really talk about anything specific. Because Nobody wanted to give spoilers. So much of the experiences depend upon people not really knowing what they're getting themselves into. This must be what like a magician's convention is like. <laughs> probably. That's probably true. And for people who don't know about McCamey Manor, I do want to talk about that for a second. Cause I'll I... tell you something I learned. Okay. First of all, the definition of extreme haunt, I'm afraid is a little too malleable a term just because what is extreme is kind of like what's alternative. Mm -hmm. It changes over the years. But I have to say, yeah, these haunts are quite extreme mm -hmm. and it'll take a while to top it short of someone actually up and dying. Dying? Having said that, something else I learned was it's not as popular as I thought it was. You hear about these things mm -hmm. and you're like, did you know there's a haunt that does this, this, and this? And you're like, no, but now I do. And then I just picture, well, if it's a functioning haunt, right, then it must do functioning haunt business. Mm. So I, I just compare it to maybe not the really high end stuff, but like, what's the thing we went to in Pasadena? 
Pasadena Old Town Haunt. Pasadena Old Town Haunt. Does a brisk trade. We had to wait in line for like um, not quite an hour. Mm -hmm. But it's not one of those like huge, but a brisk trade. Sure. If the panel taught me nothing, it was that it is way, way more, unsurprisingly, niche Mm -hmm. than I had expected just knowing that it's an operating business. Right. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, you've got the victim experience, which, as I said, I think it's relatively expensive. And they only put through a couple of people a night for only a select number of nights. So it's really an offshoot. They make most of their money doing Freakling Brothers. Mm -hmm. And the victim experience is kind of a labor of love in some ways. And if you listen to the guy who runs it talk, there's this like weird symbiotic relationship between people who run these more extreme haunts and the people who want to do this kind of thing. So it's clear he's not making a lot of money off of the victim experience. It's just a very specific thing that they offer. I don't know about Blackout because to me it seems like Blackout's been pretty successful. It's been running for a few years and I think think that one gets quite a bit of traffic. Yeah, but they can only do so many people at a time. Is that Well, one person. One person. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to McKamey Manor, which I find the most fascinating of all of them because it is the most extreme and the most nebulously titled a haunt. And there was discussion of that at the panel because McKamey Manor, if you're listening and you don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, it's, um, (laughs) maybe I'm wrong. Okay. But it's a haunt that it was in San Diego for quite a while, but I think they're moving now. It is in a guy's backyard. He built it, Mm -hmm. uh, Russ McKamey. And it's not actually a professional haunted house because he makes no money off of it. He doesn't charge anything. He asks for like, Dog food donations to go to charity. And he vets people, makes them bring a note from a psychologist or psychiatrist saying that they're fit to do it. So not everyone who wants to can. And each, quote, tour can last as long as they want it to. Anywhere from like two hours to ten or however long. And I recently watched a video of benchmarks of the experience for these two men who went through it together and one of them was a navy seal i think and you know thought he was tough and then the other guy uh, oh i'm sure he was oh and he was by the way a lot of these documentaries when they're interviewing the people they're like oh you get in these big tough guys and then all of a sudden they're screaming as a big man myself Mm. i'll just leave out tough that's for someone else to decide (laughs) we're not the high water mark of a successful haunt you know, you have to give yourself over to the experience. Yeah, I think it's just, just societal for it to be effective. norms. I think it's just societal norms. People expect the tall guy to, like, not be afraid of anything. Anyway, but my point is that, of course, they didn't show them going through anything because it's all a big mystery. Mm-hmm. But you can watch, like, a five-minute kind of, like, trailer for McKamey Manor that shows people being fed terrible things, all kinds of crazy, dirty stuff going on, like, physically just bloody and gross and traumatizing and hard to watch. But... One of the guys in his sort of like debrief, he was saying, I watched this video before doing this, like the trailer that everyone watches. And he's like, that's not what my experience was. And this is nothing like what I thought it would be. So it makes me wonder. They um, tailor it if to different anyth- people? Yeah. Or I think that with some of these extreme haunts, with the way that the internet is and the spread of information, that maybe it's hard to really know what you're getting into with a lot of these crazy ones. Anyway. Well, um, here's something that's making me kind of dismissive of the whole thing. How many people does McKinney Manor do? Uh, a year or a month? Uh, it's a teeny tiny It's number. like... Maybe two people a month or... Two maybe, a month. Maybe more, but... All right. That's not even... It's an incredible thing that happens. Yeah. But... I have trouble adding it into the larger picture when it's only like two people a month. 
sure. doing their own thing. It certainly doesn't go into my broader sense of community when it comes to haunts. Sure. Although I agree with you and I, it's not something I would ever be interested in doing, but I do think it says something about what we as a community can, where we draw the line. Because I think apart from extremely religious folk who kind of like take um, everything or umbrage with that, all, yeah. all of it. I think most people find haunted houses charming, even if they don't personally want to do it. Maybe not charming, but they just go, oh yeah, this time of year, haunted houses, not for me. Or haunted houses, I love going to do that. But Russ McKamey at the panel we saw talked about one of the reasons that they're moving is because they've had death threats. Their neighbors don't want them there. They've seen the videos. They feel like they know what's going on there and they don't like that it's happening in their neighborhood. Even though all the people participating are consenting adults, it puts a bad taste in people's mouths. And I think that's interesting. Just because it's more extreme things that are happening, it's still sort of in the same family as any other kind of haunted house, but people are okay with that going on. But I mean, I don't really consider McKamey Manor a haunted house. And they kind of discussed that at the panel. They were like, meh, it's an experience. It's not really a haunt. Let me tell you about something that's a few blocks away from where we sit. Uh-oh. Well, six blocks away is Rotten Apples. Yeah. And that's one of the best haunts for my enjoyment of things. I think it's my favorite. I drive by it and I watch it go up. It's a front yard haunt. It's a for those front yard haunt. don't live in LA. It's always themed. They collect for a charity. The themes that I've gone through have been like Alice in Wonderland. What's Will the manor? Haunted Willsley Manor. Willsley Manor, which I went is through that one with you. Yeah, like they did that like two years in a row, which is like an yeah. old Victorian. That was a good one. My favorite so far was just under Burbank. Burbank Underground. Burbank That's Underground. What they called it. I didn't do that one, but I've seen the pictures. Yeah, and they like that made was before my time. Part of it, just the exterior, looked like City Hall, and the rest looked like the AMC. That's in Burbank. What was it like inside? They've got a device that they don't use every time that'll make like the floor shake. Yeah. And when it was Wizard of Oz, it was like you went into Dorothy's house. The tornado. And like, yeah. <gasps> Gosh, and the floor I hate started that shaking. I haven't been through that one. I hope he brings it back. They'll reutilize the same technology in different ways. So in the under Burbank one, they took you, first it was like, welcome to City Hall. We're going to show you how things get done here in the uh, city of Burbank. <laughs> First, let's go into the elevator, and we'll go to this floor to see the clerk's office. So we go into the elevator, and they use the same gimbal that they used for, like, when there was a twister for The Wizard of Oz. And they're like, oh, no, something's wrong with the elevator. And it starts, like, yeah. shaking, like, everybody who's in this room, which is, like, can be, like, up to five people. And then, like, uh-oh, looks like we're down in the basement. Oh, no. So it opens up, then you're going through a basement, and then you're, like, in, like, a fallout shelter. And there's, like, someone who's all radioactive, like, <gasps> brr! And then you go like, oh, this way into the sewers. And then there's like a guy who looks like rusted sewer pipes, basically. He's very spindly. Cool. He's like, ah. And then more scares. And where you come out of under Burbank is in the movie theater, which is the exterior that you're going to exit out of in a, in a moment. And it's much like one of our favorite haunts at Universal this year. The last part of it was like a room full of Michael Myers's, but you didn't know which ones were real and which ones were fake. Yes. And you knew that at least some of them had to be real. Yes. You come out into the movie theater where they're just, like, projecting some old safety film. Yeah. And there's, like, five rows of theater seats. And, like, some of them are, well, they're all, like, corpses. But, you know, some of them are mannequins. But not all of them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They did that in the La Llorona maze. 
Oh, you go into a church? You go into a church. That was how the maze started. And it was like, oh no. Yeah, it's like. Because, I mean, you got to run that gauntlet. You got to walk down the church pews and, and like, one of wait gonna, on something to scare move. the crap out of you. Yeah. Genius effect. So smart. That kind of harkens my mind back to the things that I love about classic haunted houses that are incorporated in a lot of front yard haunts. And indeed, in some of the more expensive ones like Universal, are the things that are classic haunt techniques that work no matter how big your budget is. No, well, sure. I like a room where you have to walk through strings. Yes, strings that touch your face. And there'll be like some rubber spiders and you're just like, it's all cobwebs. Yes. I don't know exactly what you call this, but the drop panel, like it's like a square of wall that someone is behind holding up the panel that will drop. And then they drop it. It makes a loud slam when it falls down and then they can stick their head through. Yeah. Another technique is when you're working with actors to distract someone and then scare them from another place. So you get them looking at something over here, whether it's lights, sounds, and then something comes from behind them and scares them. And like those kinds of things, you don't need a huge budget for. You can do that stuff in your front yard. And I think that's what's so fun is if you give yourself over to it, no matter how much you know how that stuff works, you're going to fall for it every time. And actually and you're like, knowing, ah! knowing that it's probably going to happen, the anticipation yes. is so much worse. Like you don't go in and go like, ah, room full of dummies. No problem here. Yeah. You go in and you say, <laughs> one of these dummies is going to yeah. jump and I don't know which one and that bothers me. Yes. Now in your front yard, lower budget haunts, the technique of one scare actor scaring you twice. Yes. So the, oh. the same person who does the drop, once you come around the corner, is now set for another reveal. Yes. And that's really just good economy. Yes. You're, you're getting twice the scare out of one volunteer. I need to tell you something very charming. This is a great time for this. That mm. happened to me just a few days ago. Alec took me to a pumpkin patch in Toluca Lake. And uh, I had a petting zoo and a lot of different kinds of pumpkins. Really awesome. I talked to the guy who owns it. He, I guess he owns the flower shop next door. And then they do this pumpkin patch in October. And he was really nice. But they had a haunted, a haunted maze that Alec wasn't too keen on going in and I wasn't going. And then I was like, I could do this by myself. She's come a long way, Marshall. Do you remember when I wouldn't go in any of them with you? Yes. Okay. So I'm just, this was a big moment. I went through by myself and it was actually excellent set decoration wise. Like it was very homemade, but really fun. And I don't want to say too much. Just go if you're in LA. But what was so charming to me is it's clearly a family run operation. Mm -hmm. Okay. There were kids there when we were there, and this was a, a weeknight in early October, which is like our favorite time to go to Pierce College when that was still around, the Pierce College Halloween this Harvest This being Festival. the first year it hasn't run. I don't even want to talk about it. I, okay. I could cry, but I know I brought it up. But you and I would often go like on a Monday in early October because there were less people there. So we were at this Toluca Lake pumpkin patch, and there were a couple of kids, a couple of little girls who were, I don't know, anywhere from eight to 13, kind of like you could tell they were working. They were there with their parents, like mm-hmm. hanging out to help sell pumpkins, etc. So I bought a ticket for the haunted maze and I start marching over to it with my ticket in my hand. And this girl comes running up and she's got normal clothes on and a bandage over her eyes that I think she can see through, but it's got blood all over it. And she's like, wait, 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 wait. And I'm like, Huh? And then I see a guy come running up from behind me with a full-on orange prison jumpsuit, pulling a pumpkin, like a jack-o'-lantern mask over his face and running into the maze. Because it was empty prior to your buying the ticket. 
and no one was in there to wait to scare people because no one was buying tickets to this thing. So she makes me stand outside and we wait until he says it's okay. It's until like, he tells her okay, it's okay. Exactly. Ready to scare you. And I was so charmed by that. Then I go through it and he got me a couple of good times, but it was really just him scaring me and then like waiting for me to get a little further and running up behind me making a noise and scaring me. It was actually really effective. It was fine. But um, as I'm exiting, I get a real good scare. And then a second scare that I'm not expecting because it's the girl who told me I could go in waiting at the end to go ah, and just jump out at me. And then I saw another little girl come up after I walked out, pulling on a mask, going, I was trying to get here fast. So there was supposed to be yet another person in there. And <laughs> and I wasn't even mad. I was like, nope, $6, well spent. Just for the feeling of it being such a family-run thing. Nice. Um, but yes, to your point about the double scare, and I always feel a little indignant and mad at myself <laughs> for falling for the second time. Because I... It's like I logically know that often you'll get a second scare from a person because that's how they design it. And it maximizes the use of the actors and you're not expecting it. It's great all around. But somehow I still let my guard down and forget that it's a have, thing that's going to happen. Have you ever gone through a haunt at the exact wrong time? Yes, and it's really depressing. It's always as they reset. You and, and I you go have into been the... through before, like, we've gone through mazes twice. And the first time, like, we realized we missed every single damn scare so we go through it again and we're like there it is yeah you know somehow it's, we just, it's just the timing correctly when i went to uh, old town pasadena actually i was in the back with your dad yeah and all we got was resets sure like the entire time my dad it, was probably okay with that i was okay as well yeah and you were in the front <laughs> just going ah yeah ah and then we just got like oh how's it going <laughs> as, yeah. they, as they reset themselves <laughs> yeah also uh curse of the big group Yes. There is such a thing it as was too a big, big group. With, with these things. And here's this, another scene where they set up very well. They had victims and the monsters would attack the victims and then they would attack the audience. Like the wolf man who attacks this young lady and maybe she's enjoying it too much. But the audience does too. And here's the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned a guy who I met for like a second once. Uh, who's sort of like a, a local legend, Bob Burns. Mm -hmm. And he's got a huge private collection that he just shows to like friends. And sometimes I think like a news crew will go through there and just be like, look at all this stuff. Yeah. He used to have one of the biggest, most elaborate home haunts because he himself, Bob Burns, was a special effects artist. And you know what special effects artists have? Special effects artist friends. Yes. And now that I've looked it up, six blocks uh -huh. from where we sit is where Bob Burns lives. And starting in 1967 through to 1982, he would have huge, elaborate... I call them front yard haunts, and that's where they were, but they would just build a structure on his front lawn. Mm -hmm. First one I got here, let's see... Well, they started the home, actually. Frankenstein's Lab. And uh, there's a nice picture of Glenn Strange coming by to check it out. Oh. <laughs> Don't be afraid. He won't hurt you. This haunted house, Return of Dr. Hyde, Forbidden Planet. Fun! Apparently Robbie the Robot was a part of that. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Something called The Thing in the Attic, War of the Worlds, Return of the Time Machine, where he actually owns the time machine from The Time Machine, the yeah. movie. He gained national attention when, in 1979, he did the movie Alien, where he had actual... 
like the alien head, at least, or, or the costume was from the movie <gasps> Alien. Oh my god! I've seen photos. The interior just looks like the Nostromos. Terrible. It's yeah. That's so. In '79, that's when Alien came out. Like it was all new, and it was like, come on in the ship, and they would recreate the sci-fi horror classic, not even a classic at the time, the sci-fi horror hit, Alien. Wow. And Starlog, which was like the sci-fi version of Fangoria, did a, like a cover story on him. And he only went on for another like four years doing various things. And in 1982, did Creature from the Black Lagoon. Now, the detail of this that just like hurts my heart mm-hmm. is he came back for one big last score in 2002, also known as My First Halloween in Los Angeles. And he did The Thing. Oh! And I, you know, I was still learning where the Hollywood sign is. It's in Hollywood. No shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I know someone had told me, like, hey, West Hollywood's the place to go. And I had people to go with, which I hadn't been in town that long. So to have, like, people to hang out with, that's a, I'll go wherever you say. Sure. But I really wish I knew... That right here in Burbank, the great Bob Burns was making a Halloween home haunt comeback. It's kind of like a thing you wish you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You know, it'd be better just not to know that. I got his address from an old news article. So I drove past it today to see if this once mighty, renowned home haunt had anything at all. And I know it's only the 6th of October, and not everyone's so crazy to throw things up, but... As of today, just driving by the house slowly, there was no noticeable Halloween Mm. decorations. But we'll see. (laughs) I may wind up driving by it a few more times between now and Halloween just to check. Mm. Watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the skies. That's me. Were you filming me while I sleep? I'm trying to figure out how you filmed it unless Michael did it. But I just, Michael's right before you. I'm in bed with Brandy. There's Jeff. I, I can't explain this. And how's it online? This isn't, what are you talking The only thing I can think of is this is just part of it. So we're just going to have to. Part of it. This is not a haunt. We're not in a haunt. We're in the middle of nowhere in our RV. I did watch The House is October Built on your recommendation. What'd you think? Well, when you go to one of those haunts that are, there isn't much of around here, I'm afraid, just because of the way Los Angeles is laid out which is where you have like a farm or just like a big open space with which to build something. Yeah, that's how uh, haunts are done where I'm from. The Hickory Grove Haunted Trail, which I think still goes, it's through a patch of woods. Yeah. We have a lot of that. Real estate plus a can-do attitude can really create some great haunts. Yeah. A flavor of which you don't really find much around these parts. And people are really we, we litigious go around here. And Oh, I think, that's another thing. Yes. Where I'm from, it's like it's a little easier to find somebody who has a lot of property who's like, yeah, slap that up here. I don't care. But everyone here in L.A., are, we're all just really conscious of the fact that people are so happy. and. Oh, well, there's noise restrictions and all that. I was actually thinking about, you know, like, like the edge that Universal has over like knots is copyright and characters. Mm-hmm. Like we've got. Scream, we've got right. different years. Sure. Chucky, Leatherface, etc. that other local places don't. You get out into a God's country, and they really don't care nope. so much about copyright. Sure. They're just like, welcome to Elm Street. There's Freddy Krueger. And they're not like being cute about it. Like when you buy um, off-brand Halloween costumes, it's not like Knife, knife Finger Man, man. Yeah. Hockey Mask, 
you know, goalie in a jumpsuit. Yeah. Even that Tom Savini's Haunted House video you sent me, he had copywritten care. He didn't, I don't think he said any of them in the video, but he had them very clearly adjacent yeah. where he's in well, that was house. that was produced by Tom Savini. And that was a 1994 souvenir video of mm-hmm. which I have a few of on VHS right above your head. Right. I found a, the local junk for joy junk shop. I was so happy. And then I found out it was on YouTube and I couldn't help being a little disappointed that I didn't have a jam all my own. Sure. But that's in Massachusetts, and Kane Hodder like bought a haunted hayride business. Yeah, and it's like twenty minutes long, it's and it also cute. has a performance by um, Bobby Boris Pickett. Bobby Boris Pickett. He's like, I'm here to sing a medley of my hit, and he, he's got a great sense of fun about yeah. it for a guy who's you know making his living once a year. Yeah, <laughs> going to these type places. But anyway, I yeah. Well, even even Kane Hodder, even that will just use copywritten. Yeah. Spooks. And Which he couldn't... I mean, someone trying to do something like that today. I mean, that was 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago, but I believe anything just slightly outside the bullseye of Los Angeles... Sure. ...can get away with that kind of Agreed. thing. Agreed. Yeah. So I hired a few of the neighbor's kids, found a few drifters, hung around the prison gate on release day. You never know where the next great talent might come from. Some of them had to be dressed for the part. Some of them, well, they already looked that way. Some of them had to be told what to do, but some of them just took to it naturally. Another movie I watched is called The Bates Haunting, which takes place at the first ever professional haunt I ever went to as an adult, Mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to put it, which is like the Bates Motel and Hayride. And you're like, how do they get away with that? Because the guy who owns it, his name is Bates. No. Yeah, that's what I've read. smart. Right? Oh, I was going to say. Anybody who goes to one of these things, so for the, the houses that October built, the Bates Haunting, and there's, there's a few others I've just sort of come across, anybody who spends like five minutes in one of those places goes, what a great place to set a horror movie. Yeah. Always. Yeah, and from time to time, someone actually does it to mixed results. So, but the houses October built mm-hmm. doesn't just settle for one haunt, but goes to, I lost count, six I don't know. Perhaps. I wasn't counting. But I've watched that movie twice, and uh, I liked it even better the second time around. I don't think it's flawless, okay. but I liked... Here's what I like. I like the ambiance. There are some things that certainly didn't work for me, but I love the journeys through the haunted houses. It makes you really feel like you're in it. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. That's all. Okay. I mean, it just and it's puts about me in like, the Halloween spirit. I don't even know how many people are in it. Four? Five? I think so. Four or five. Going in an RV from haunt to haunt, hoping for... A better, more extreme haunt. They're searching for a kind of a secret haunt that they've heard tell about. Yeah. And they get it. They sure do. The ending left me unsatisfied because it just felt like an easy ending. Agreed. That it would have been more difficult because it's like, how are they going to pull this one off? The answer is they don't. The end. Yeah. But as time goes on, especially, I think it'll serve as like a really nice time capsule. Yes. Of the kind of haunts people were into. I agree. During one moment in time. Yeah. So good on you for that. Yeah. You will uh, become better with age. (laughs) Yes. Houses October built. And here's the devil in all of his glory as he steps down off of his throne where his victims are held in the basement below, which you can view through the missing floorboards in this first floor room where the scene was set up. Most of the houses on the tour utilize the guillotine where the head pops off little blood and gore and then the head is thrust in the faces of the audience inside of the denver house dracula 
comes out of the false bottom in this casket, grabs his victim and hauls her away down inside of the casket. Obviously, she's a plant. Denver also had some sex appeal in their house, only they used some very young talent, because as we get close to her, you'll notice that she's wearing braces. I'm always uh, just wonderfully overwhelmed by these things, so it's really hard for me to even articulate what, what I like about them. We've been talking for like an hour, so I think I've done an okay job at it. But let's hear it for black lights, and let's hear it for strobe lights. Yeah. Man, if a strobe light doesn't just... Set a scene. Just set a scene. And clowns. My goodness. I mean... Rotten Apple 907 was all clowns last year, and it was incredible. I didn't get to go to it. Oh, my God. But most haunts tend to work in a clown room they at do. some point. Clowns, even if you're not particularly afraid of them, they're always effective. Even if they're not your phobia, they're always Yeah, yeah. Effective. I mean, I have no particular fear of normal clowns. Yeah. But, you, you know, it's even scarier than, like, a full-dress clown. A deconstructed clown, as I was about to say. Is someone who's only part clown. Yes. I, that's what I was going to say, is you can have fun with it. You can have a really demented, like, nicely polished Ronald McDonald-style, super clean-looking mouse that's just got a, <laughs> like, a too creepy laugh. And you can also have a clown who's, like, makeup isn't quite right, who's yeah. kind of dirty. Like, you can do all kinds of things. Like, if I was walking on the street and there was a guy in a full con outfit... With, like, the red feet and the everything. I've seen that. I'd be like, hmm, At a bus stop. And I was like, oh, he must be on his way to a party. Seriously. But what if you saw a guy who was just, like, jeans and a t-shirt, but his face was done like a clown? I would run. Exactly. <laughs> In conclusion, Kat, mm. I could go on and on, but it, it's sort of like, if, I, if you ask me, like, what do you like about haunts? And I'm just like, haunts are awesome. And then you said, well, go and, and write a 500 word essay about it and i just handed in like some kind of just beavis and butthead haunts are awesome and just handed it to you just the r yeah not, just the it, letter r but like haunts are awesome are awesome yeah that to me just still says it all 500 words wouldn't be enough so i think you just have to say haunts are awesome and leave it at that because i get bombarded with just like look at that look at that look over there and you've been with me. Do I tend to, like, walk faster than you when we start going into something? Um, just just because I'm like, look at all this stuff. Kat, where'd you go? Oh. Keep up. Are you talking about something where you might truly get afraid? Because my experience with you is you're always completely even keeled. And then we go in. And if it's something that if you see a scare coming, you drag me to try to get past it before it happens. Sometimes. That's more in the moment. I think that's an involuntary thing on your part. I think that's like a fight or flight thing. But there have been times where, like, you'll run me around a corner. Like, you'll grab my hand and drag me around a corner because you know there's something about to happen. You're like, let's miss that. Oh. But I don't think you're intending to do that. But I think maybe if it's something like Boney Island, you're like, what's this? What's this? And then you're just. Exactly. Yeah, yes. You'll do that when it's magical. When it's a pig head butcher guy with a chainsaw, you might just try to get me the hell out of there. All right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking more like when we just like first arrive and we haven't mm -hmm. actually gone any mazes yet mm -hmm, or anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, sights, cat. Oh, yes. And sounds. Kid in sights a candy and store. sounds. Yes. It is Disneyland for you. I can see your enjoyment and it makes me enjoy it that much more. So, yeah, it's hard to really put a reverie into a podcast. It is. But hey, it's October right now as we record this. If you're listening at some time when it's not, there are all your haunts out there if you're. So possessed to go I'd check like one to, out. Now that you've mentioned that, I would love I don't know to any in Los Angeles. Seek, well, there probably are some at least 
within an hour or two. There just has to be. I'm sure there is. I think it'd I'm just gonna... be interesting to see, to find a freestanding, so not affiliated with a Coney Island or an Atlantic City or um, Disneyland, to f see something that stands on its own that maintains its status as a professional haunted house all year long. And maybe they don't exist, but if they do... No, I went to one in Tennessee. Oh, right. But was it around a bunch of other, like... It was in a tourist area, but it was independently owned. Right. I guess I'm thinking, like, completely independent, just there's a haunted house there. Maybe I'm just thinking in just these are my dreams. I believe you're hoping for an actual haunted house. By golly, I think you're right. <laughs> it looks like there's something up ahead. <gasps> That's a crypt. That's the one by the fence. It's the way out. Come on. Stay close. Did you enjoy your visit? Alright, Kat, any uh, finishing business? I think I would encourage anyone who lives in LA, if you haven't yet, go check out Rotten Apple 907 this year. Leave them some money, because it always goes toward a good charity. It goes toward a good they cause. don't take any money. You're still supporting Ween Dreams? Yeah, we love Ween Dream. We talked about it on last month's episode, but by the time you hear this, they probably will be mostly done with their donations for the current year, but they're always taking used costumes or new costumes if you at, want to donate. At the end of October, those of you with uh, kids who won't fit into their costume this time next year, yeah, there's a charity that'll put it toward a good place. And go give them a like on all their social media networks. It helps expand their reach. Even that is really helpful. We love them. And Kat, here, here's a bit of a boys and ghouls business. We've got a friend named Will who has found recent employment as uh, Nev Campbell's assistant. She's been doing a lot more um, conventions. He's kind lately. of her convention slash tour assistant, right? Not her permanent. No, no, all he the doesn't like. Assistant. He's yeah. not there when she wakes up in the morning. Right. If only. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's. But he's uh, been spending a lot of time. Yeah, going with to the Queen. Yeah, going to all these horror conventions and getting to see some great backstage sites of just these various icons. And as he is a friend of ours, he, uh, he pulled some strings with uh, somebody he knows, mm -hmm. and he got us this. Okay, uh, I've had this for a few weeks now. <laughs> uh, he got it at the uh, Toronto convention. And here we are, Nev Campbell. It's beautiful. Wrote, Boys and Ghouls, what's your favorite scary movie? Nev Campbell. And then it quotes under that, Sydney. Uh-huh. As if we didn't know. As if we didn't know. This On is... a beautiful photo of her, it's a still from Scream 4. Oh, good eye. Mm-hmm. With her, like, holding a kitchen knife. Mm-hmm. This is going to stay at my place. Please. For a little bit. Uh-huh. But once I get a frame for it, it's going to your place. No, keep it. But? I get to come visit it every month. I got to keep the caricature of you and I. That's okay. I get the we'll caricature. We'll decide this later. The kids don't need to hear us bicker about... About our picture. Well, tell you what. It's here for now. Okay. It's going to get a frame. Great. If you want custody. We can share custody. We'll we can, have that we can conversation. We'll shuttle her back and forth. I'll drop some papers. I'll get my lawyer. We'll have lunch. It'll okay. be good. And uh, as we go out, I just want to point out the uh, detail that she does the proper cursive G. That G that like nobody does, just like they don't do the proper cursive Q. Yeah. Unless they're I like it. learning it. You do the, the real of Q? Of course I do. All right. As most adults do sort of a mishmash between printing and cursive, the G and the Q are like the first to go because they are... And the Z. 
oh, that's E. Yeah. Because they're really ridiculous yeah. in they their design. They don't look like their letter. They're confusing and difficult to Just the, the General Mills symbol is really all that has that G. And Ms. Nev Campbell. Yeah. Who the God G in ghouls is that proper double loop at the top G that you had to do in grade school and then stop doing as soon as you no longer had to do it. Yeah. So thank you, Nev. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. This is going in the Boys and Ghouls Museum, which is my place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoy this one, folks. We hope you uh, have, have had, and will have, depending when you hear this, a really superb Halloween. If you are yourself a home haunter, good on you. If you enjoy the home haunts, good on you. If you've never been to one, you just sort of give it a pass because it's, you know, a little too much work. To get out, make the effort. Yeah. I hope that a little of our, uh, if not rock hard facts about the world of haunting, if our distant enthusiasm has led you to either find a real professional one or just hit the streets. And, you know, if, if you if you drive past one on your way to work and you see the guy out there with his, his PVC pipe, make a note because these things don't get on Yelp, you know. Yeah. Ask around. Ask around. And then the people that you see building it up, go back when it's done. Go back at night. Step out. Halloween of, step comes, out of your car and enjoy it. But once a year. And life is for the living. Make it special. Well, words to live by. What about a warning to live by? Beware the moon. Beware. Beware.